Hi, I'm Faith. Hi, I'm Faith. Grateful recovering compulsive reader, and um, I'm grateful to be here, and uh, grateful that the way that my life has unfolded, that uh, I am a compulsive reader in recovery. Um, I got here October 28th of 1986. I was 19 years old. Uh, I got here three months before my 20th birthday, and um, I've been asked in a, the same amount of time. So I have 19 years and six months of abstinence. Uh, so actually, next, I guess in July, I'll have the same amount of time in program as the same amount of time that I've had alive before I got here. Um, and needless to say, you know, there's um, there's a part in the big book where it talks about in the spiritual experience that it says that you know we have to have a psychic change, you know, that we have to become different. And man, that has been my experience. And um, I guess I wanted to start out backwards, and I want to start out reading a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And I guess I want to start out with a vision for you because um, when I got into program in 1986, you know, we didn't have the fancy brown books that we have now. Uh, there was just the big book, and there was um, we didn't have the OA 12 and 12. We didn't have the OA 12 and 12 workbook. You know, we didn't have a lot of literature that um, we only have for today. And um, I got here. Basically, I'll tell you what it was a little bit about what it's like. Uh, the way my family is, uh, I have one parent that's not from this country, and you know, there's a lot of good cooking, you know, in uh, West Africa. There's a lot of um, palm oil is a major staple. So I'm not sure if anybody knows the dangers. I'm sure of palm oil, um, but you know, it turns everything red, and it's delicious, and it uh, will kill you. Um, and on my mom's side, uh, she's from Louisiana, and there's a whole bunch of good Creole cooking there. And, um, you know, both of my family kind of, you know, we call it the cheeks. We all have the cheeks, and that just means that, you know, we've got round faces. And um, I have a couple of relatives that have big eyes, but, there are, you know, there's no big eyes in my family. You know, we just don't have them. We have big cheeks, and, you know, when they smile, they just disappear. Um, and I grew up in a household where I had, my parents were very different. And um, I was kind of, I was an only child until I was 15. My little bro- brother was born when I was 15. And I found out I had two older sisters when I was 13. Um, and I was an only child for a very long time, and my mother's a very quiet person, and uh, my father's a very boisterous person. And um I did a lot of, there was a lot of, my past household was very quiet, uh, except for yelling. And so I 
pretty much figured out at a young age that um, food was good. Uh, food was, um, you know, cookies were good. I'll have to, you know, get really specific. Um, <laughs> and rice. There was a lot of rice in my family. Um, and to this day, rice is still comfort food. Rice is really comforting. And I think one of my oldest memories of this, me being truly a compulsive reader, I think I was about five, and my grandmother's closet, my grandparents uh, had this skinny kind of pantry closet, and I think at the time my grandfather was working for a company uh, that makes cookies, and they were big, soft, and chewy, and I would go in the closet and I'd get one, and then I was so sure nobody saw me. I'd go back and I'd get another one. And then I'd go back, and I wish I wish I was lying and just you know making up a story, but this is the honest to God truth. I was like, I remember that was my first time I was sneak eating. You know, uh, I did everything you can think of um, as my disease started to really progress. But as a little kid, I was just so sure sneak eating was my big one. My thing was, you know, I'll eat it, but you know, no, if nobody sees me, then I'm not really eating. You know, um, growing up, it was very difficult for me to express myself um, beyond writing. I was very much a very good at writing, uh, very good at math, uh, very quiet, and considered chubby. You know, uh, one of my nicknames was uh, Butterball. And, um, you know, by the time I was about 10 years old, I was pretty, uh, I was a happy kid, but I was also being teased at the school where I was going to, to private school. And, there really wasn't a lot of uh, support, you know, for me as I got older. So by the time I was 11 years old, I weighed 177 pounds. Uh, by the time I got into program at the age of 19, I weighed about 265, and I was wearing a size 22. Um, so there was a, really a progression in my life of where the weight came on, and. Um, it's pretty. It's documented because the, I went to a private school where they would weigh everybody in a big room, and so everybody was weighing like you know, 89, 92, or maybe that was even somebody kind of hefty, you know, like you know, 75, whatever. And then they yelled out, "One seventy-seven," mm-hmm. and um, I just ran out of the room. I couldn't have been more than 11 years old, and I was just mortified because I was almost twice the weight of other people, other children in the room. So if anything made me just kind of clam up and decide, hmm, I really have nothing to say, probably was that. And it was difficult for me to come home because there wasn't a lot of support to take me out of that school. It was pretty known by my parents that I was being ridiculed at school. And I really wasn't being supported. But in my family, um, my father had a, we come from a prestigious family, and it was prestigious for me to be at the school. And that was more important than me saying, um, you know, I am catching hell every day. So by the time I ended up leaving that school and starting high school, I was, a, I was raging. I was pissed. And even to this day when I'm pissed, there's really, it's, it's, I can verbalize it, but I just, I'm, I'm still a little afraid of my anger because I had been angry for so long and really hadn't expressed it. Um, 
And there's a one gentleman who he since passed on, but Jim would tell me he couldn't re- he couldn't play because we were on the away service board together. And I was like, don't you remember me? And you know, he's like, no, not really. You know. Then finally went, ah, I remember you. And he said, you know what's different? Is the um, he said it's the absence of hostility. That was quite deep to uh, hear somebody describe you. And so that's how I got here. I got here as a very angry uh, young woman, um, was pretty much flunking out of my college, um, right over here off of Sunset. And, and again, prestigious college, and you know, I'm walking around campus at over 250 pounds, 260 pounds, trying to get from North Campus to South Campus in you know, 10 minutes. Uh, with a key, with, at one point, I hurt my knees. I had a cane. I was trying to figure out how to like not take stairs. So I was going through buildings, you know, taking the elevator. Um, you know, just a lot of machinations to avoid stairs and to avoid, um, you know, just sweating profusely. Uh, the vending machines at college, and I guess I'll just kind of get, go there. But um, you know, and I think that what's important also for me is just to let you know just what a champion dieter I was when I got here. Um, so my first diet right after being told that I weighed 177 was um, I had a little cute set that had pink barbells and had a little, you know, um, kind of an illustrated like 50s book that showed you how to exercise. And I had my little book and I made my little bread and so I weighed myself every day. So I'd go 180, 181, 180, 180, 182, oh my God, 177, you know, 179. And uh, so I know that I weighed somewhere around 182 pounds at the age of 12 years old. Um, so by the time I got to high school, I think one of my best diets was a can of Diet Coke during lunch with um, Cheetos dipped in blueberry yogurt. And that actually worked, you know. Um, so by the time I got to this college, uh, I had been 12-step by a friend from high school, and I had gotten to the point where I was eating the Pepperidge Farm, uh, the square cakes. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I don't know if they're still square. But at one point in time, they were square. And so it made it easier to cut when they were frozen. <laughs> so I was cutting up the Pepperidge Farm uh, frozen white cake. Uh, and I don't even like coconut, and I think it was coconut, you know. But it was... You know, again, to numb out the food, to numb out the pain. Um, my mind was not clear, you know, going to college, so I'm sure that that's one had a big reason, a big, uh, was a big reason why I was flunking out. So not stupid, you know. I just, um, you know, this disease takes over, and it really had consumed pretty much everything that I was doing. Uh, you know, you haven't heard me talk about a lot of friends because there weren't a whole bunch. You know, I was quiet. Uh, feeling ridiculed. Ah, oh, there it is. I can hear. There it is. I can hear myself now. And there was a kind of a a real distrust of other people. I just didn't do relationships very well. You know, I had a lot of fear of what you might do to me if we got close. You know, so that didn't make relationships easy for me. Um, so I had a couple of friends, and they also had immigrant parents and were also kind of the brainy kids who were really quiet. And some of them would get real ridiculed, and some of them wouldn't. Um, and even today, I have a friend. He just turned 40, and he had a 40th birthday party. And I didn't go because I just, you know, I just still have a little bit of, um, with seeing people from, 
you know, eighth grade. It's just still, I still got a little bit of a charge there, so I'm going to have to do some, still some digging, because it just was like, what, what is that? So, kind of just to let you know, the, the kind of dieting I did was, I was too poor as a college student to get into Gloria Marshall Weight Watchers. I just, you know, I tried it. Um, we had Nutrisystem at the time, Tab, Cell, uh, what's it called? Sinka? No. It's a white soda. What's that called? Fresca. Thank you. Yeah, the nasty sodas. That's what I was, you know, because we didn't have any nice tasting Splenda that I had in my latte today. You know, we had um, funky um, saccharin, you know, that causes cancer, from what I understand. Um, so that's kind of what it was like. Didn't have a lot of, and, and you know, my favorite pastime was fantasy. Lots of fashion magazines. I could tell you what you ate. Uh, <laughs> television. Lots of Diet Coke and lots of Tab. Before they had Diet Coke, rather, they had Tab. And a lot of um, television. And sometimes I might even have the radio on at the same time. Or talk on the phone. You know, that was one of the things. I just had a lot of, I had to have a lot of stimulation happening. Um, so by the time I got to OA, you know, the, the friend of mine who 12-stepped me pretty much had grown up similar to me, kind of ignored, um, kind of not listened to, and not with a lot of friends. And I saw her, and it was kind of like when Bill W. described seeing Ebby and, you know, that fresh face and what the hell has happened to you. That's similar to what had occurred to my friend. And, you know, when you're hungry for the solution, the pill, you know, the new passage, you know, whatever it is, you want it. And she had it, and I wanted it. I didn't care what it was. I don't remember the conversation, which was probably like two hours long. Um, all I remember was hearing about it on a Sunday, and by Tuesday I was at an OA meeting. And uh, I still remember my very first OA meeting. It was Tuesday at 10.30, and there were about four of us, and they were talking about abstinence, and I said, what's that? And they said, um, it's this, it's actually, well, why don't you go home and just eat three meals? So since it's 10.30, you have two more to go. I said, okay. And, you know, I was willing. I just, you know, they gave me a, um, they bought, they sold me a 12 and 12. I didn't even have a big book. Uh, I had the AA 12 and 12, and I just started to read that and keep coming back. Um, kept coming back, rather. So what I found out when I got here um, was that I was making a lot of runs to the kitchen and that um, I still, I would look in the freezer and I saw the um, fake bottom on the ice cream. I'm not sure if you ever know that trick. You have the round uh, carton of that ice cream. So you stick your spoon in it and you turn it upside down. And then, you know, like when it's halfway, because you don't want everybody to know that it's actually gone. And then you eat it from the bottom. And then, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so when I, you know, when I describe my, my uh, machinations of eating, you know, people don't know me that way. Even at my office, when I describe myself, you know, as, as, as having war size 22, they're like, huh, you, Really? You know, and I'm tempted to bring up my pictures, but my pictures are only for you guys. You know, this is for your experience, strength, and hope. It's not for everybody. And I think I've learned that um, the hard way, you know, through 12-stepping in different um, circles. So, you know, I try to rely on my higher power to tell me who's supposed to have this um, from me. You know, because when they're supposed to get it, they will get it. 
you know, because God is not weak. You know, we're talking about an awesome higher power. There is no way that you're not going to get what you're supposed to get. So if I don't get you, somebody else will. Um, so that's kind of what happened. I got here, and I just kept coming back, and it was not easy, and so especially when I had a sponsor who they started to tell me that I was, you know, letting other people be my higher power and that I wasn't standing up for myself. And, you know, all this, like, spiritual, moral crap. It was like, I don't think you understand. I'm trying to lose weight, you know. Um, and slowly what really happened was I was really fortunate. Being that young and really cute, I got a lot of love. I really did. There was a Monday night 100-pounders meeting over at uh, Veterans, um, no, yeah, I think it's the Veterans Building on Wilshire and, um, is that, is that Wilshire, Wilshire and Veteran? Yeah. So our meeting was in the cafeteria, 100-pounders. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody who's a long-timer told me, take this box, bring it home, and bring it back next week. And I said, Okay. And I got so much love from people in this program, and they just kept, um, I was really, you know, I'm kind of a follower. I was like, you know, looking for the love, looking for the, um, the people that looked like they were happy. I, I latched on to them, and I held on. I really, really did. And probably by, like, my first six months in the program, I wore a size smaller. And, you know, all sorts of wonderful things happened for me, um, you know, like continuing at the school and flourishing and going on and getting more to getting finishing that degree and getting another one and um, you know having weight loss uh, and I guess I'll just kind of tell you some of the things that occurred in program abstinently for me some of the good stuff and the bad stuff the good part is finishing college and getting another getting a master's degree uh, starting a really good career but unfortunately my father passed away I had at least you know 10, 20 people from OA at my father's funeral. Um, and I walked into OA talking about him. So it's not like they didn't know who he was, you know, because that was my higher power at the time. And when that person, when he passed away, um, it kind of cleared the way for me to get a better relationship with God. It really did. Because, man, I sure knew how to judge myself based on his eyes. And as were his eyes were, you know, we all have to find our own path. And it's not... Um, and I, and I kind of grieve when I'm in the grocery store and I see an adult child who's maybe like 21 with their parents at the grocery store. You know, I kind of grieve because that was me. Um, I thought I wasn't going to cry. Um, because, you know, this program is about the, um, my fear that I'm just not okay unless my stomach is flat, unless my food is okay, unless you like the way I look. What's my other obsession? What, let's say it's what I weigh, what I'm eating, what you think I look like, what I think I look like, and uh, what the, I did say what the scale says, yeah. What I, so those, those are my obsessions, and all that is about with just, you know, me being okay with being myself. Um, where am I on time? Okay. And I just want to just tell you that 
about nine years into this program, I had to go to another program for, for relationships for people who have grown up with the effective um, or who have been affected by alcoholism. That was really important for me. Um, because, you know what, and I'm going to back up, and it's, it's, you know, I thought I had this whole outline and everything. Man, this is really, God is in charge. You know, when I walked in here, um, I really did pray for a solution. I had sat on the side of the bed, and I was wearing a blue muumuu uh, that I had bought at, um, you know, kind of a muumuu. It had this, this is 1986, so it had a big collar, and it was supposedly really cute, and, you know. Um, but it was cotton, and it just kind of skimmed the body. And, you know, I looked like an like a old woman at 19. I really did. And I remember sitting on the bed, side of the bed, and I just asked God, when was, I didn't even say God. I just said, when is it going to stop? And I just knew that I just really didn't want to be alive. And we don't talk about suicide as much as we used to, but when I got here, people really did talk about what this was like. Because, um, and I think the blessing is that because we didn't have a, we had, we had the AA literature, you had to identify absolutely. You had to see yourself as the, the alcoholic with food. And I know that that was the way that I identified myself, is that, you know, this is, um, this will kill me. And I understand that now, but I think at the time, I had made that silent plea. And I really believe that God hears all prayers. I think that my, my, my most desired intention is a prayer. I think that when I think good thoughts about somebody else, it's a prayer. I think that um, who we are are expressions of God, and that I work for God and you work for God. And that's pretty much our job. And how that expresses itself, whether it's through, you know, how you treat people, um, how you treat yourself. Uh, I think that we all change, but, you know, as the spiritual experience says, or, you know, I'm probably saying wrong, it's probably another part of the big book, and I've got all this underlying stuff, you know, like I'm going to really teach today. And, you know, it's probably the psychic change part is somewhere. But all I know is that we really have to be different people. So what happened for me was I had to keep getting my butt kicked by life. You know, as I became more and more abstinent and um, my abstinence is no sugar, two to three meals a day. Um, I used to have two snacks. I don't, sometimes I have a snack and I'm actually, it's actually, um, it's, it really is, I just, it's a meal, you know. I'm not quite sure what it is right now because my absence is very different because a lot has been lifted from me but only because I keep doing the steps you know I don't believe that I get it because I I keep coming back I get it because I keep working it and that is I would really like a reprieve you know so I would encourage you if you know of a long timer who still suffers you know please be compassionate because it's sometimes quickly sometimes slowly Um, and I think I'll start a little bit you know with one of the things that happened to me probably in 1999 was uh, I had to, I went to start going to a big book study and there were people in all different kinds of programs there. So it was AA, Al-Anon, OA. There were some GA people, which I think is Gamblers Anonymous, um, NA, Narcotics Anonymous people. There, was a, there were all kinds of people in this program. But one of the things we did was we read the first 164 pages of the big book by paragraph and it took a year and a half. So I did that three times from 99 to 2004 
And a lot of the things that we went over in the, in the um, step study, I'm sorry, in the big book study, was um, where the promises were. And I really needed to know where the promises were for each um, step. And so I kind of wanted to just leave that with you today, that, you know, the, the promises for step one, Bill's story, there is a solution more about alcoholism. Our promises are on page 43, but there are some instructions on page 41 and 42. Uh, actually, at the bottom of 41, it talks about um, if you had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come that I would drink again. So what's a compulsive reading mind? You know, my mind tells me that that is going to fix it. It might help. It doesn't really count. <laughs> my mind tells me that um, there is no relationship between what I put in my mouth and what I look like. That's my disease. That is absolutely my disease. And for a long period of time in this program, I really did have that dysmorphia where I really couldn't connect with my head and my body. For so long, I'd heard you have such a pretty face. So I kind of thought it was a face. Um, and so it's tragic when you're kind of a thinker and you're kind of literal. So I really had a hard time with that for a very long time. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I've heard a guy say, he said, you know, us compulsive readers, water is like kryptonite. And I love when he said that because it was like, you know, that whole thing about our disconnect with our body, you know, washing it. Um, you know, just uh, in my disease before I got to this program, I remember I worked with this guy and he said, do you wash your face? And I remember like, yeah, and I, I didn't, you know. I really, so when I talk about this feeling of I'm ugly, I feel shitty, People don't like me. Food is my friend. That's where I came from. So I know a lot of people walk in here and they've got like, you know, 20, 30 pounds to lose. That's great. That's really great. I, I envy you in some ways. I envy people who um, had a level of self-care before they got to this program because my level of self-care wasn't that high because what had been prized in me was my face and my intellect. So I tried to destroy my face and I tried to destroy my body. So what would be left would be my intellect. And, you know, God just doesn't work like that. He's like, nope, you get beauty, you get smarts, you get friends, you get loved ones, you get all this good stuff. But, you know, you've got to change. You know, these steps are my change. You know, this, this big book is... Um, the continual shedding of the person that I think I am. You know, my ego is, this is what, this, this is the counter, counter um, I guess the antidote to my ego. That's what these steps are. Because it's not what I think I'm, I'm feeling. It's actually that yucky, crazy stuff that's right underneath there that I'm really, really feeling. So when I'm pissed off because my neighbor didn't put a leash on my dog and I almost hit my own dog because he was so excited to see me, the real fear underneath that is how much I love my dog and how I want the best care for him that I want for myself. So the feeling was how vulnerable it made me rather than how pissed off I am at my neighbor. Um, you know... I got the opportunity in this program, moving on to step two, you know, to design my own higher power. And what a blessing, because I didn't grow up with a really cool higher power. I grew up with the moody one that was kind of like, you know, kind of the one that had the pinky ring that was kind of like, <laughs> I think she messed up today. Mm. Um, but I know that 
that that was what people told me, but I think that in my heart what I always knew was that there was a really wonderful, you know, if there wasn't, if if God was so temperamental, then why were there so many wonderful people in the world? And why were there so many sweet people in the world? Um, And then that thought would be gone as I would dwell on, you know, the the negativity. So, um, you know, I kind of was the puppy kid that um, wore Argyle socks who hung out with the Goths, so... For anybody who's younger than me, a goth is somebody who, in the 80s who used to wear white makeup and eyeliner um, and have hair sticking up like, you know, flock of seagulls. So <laughs> those were, because they looked like how I felt. I felt like a rebel. I felt um, uh, unattractive, and I need the, the need to mask, rather. Or they're actually very attractive, but the need to mask who you really are. Um, so getting back to you know, being radically authentic in this program, uh, we agnostics really talk about really talks about you know what is um, the definition of an agnostic, which is I think that there's a God and I think He works for you, but I don't think He works for me. And that was my experience when I got here. It was like that's great. You've got a great relationship with your higher power. That's really nice, you know. And I'm sure He works well for you but not allowing that beauty to um, kind of invade my life and not seeking it, not thirsting after it. And the promises for step two are on page 57. Even so has God restored us us all to our right minds too, but he has come to all who have honestly honestly sought him. And three, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. And it talks about that broad highway, that there really is this big um, place where God could be, your higher power can be, whatever you want it to be. Absolutely, there are no rules in this program. And I love that, because I will find the rule and break it in my own quiet way, because I'm looking for it. I'm looking for a way to for me to be different. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Chapter 5 talks about how it works at Step 3. And on page 63, um, you know, it says that there's that, you know, this the big book is written in such old language. It says selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles, you know. <laughs> Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and we retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in positions to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the, alco- the compulsive readers an extreme example of self-fulvering riot, though I usually don't think so. So in my big book study, I learned a couple of tricks that I need to put, make this, um, I need to make these I statements. So my trouble, I think, is basically of my own making. They arise out of me, and the compulsive reader is an extreme example of self-riot, self-will-run riot, though I usually don't think, think so. That helped me tremendously to kind of break this down and change the language a little bit, but working with other people tremendously, that's what really works for me in this program. This is a fellowship, and that seems to be like the root of our disease is the isolation. So we're like a, like a spiritual Oreo, you know. We've got this, like, anxiety in the middle and all the self-will on either side, you know what I mean? I mean, that's who we are. That's where I, that's kind of how I think I see myself. So that really doesn't make for a very serene life. So every time I write these, write question answers to these questions and I work the steps one more time, 
um, I have the opportunity to counteract some of that, um, you know, anxiety in the middle with myself well wrapped around it. And, you know, sometimes the uh, answer is making a phone call for me. And I'm, I'm kind of on step three right now in my own life about turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. Um, because my, my relationship with my higher power keeps changing. And, I, and, I, and I'm so thankful for that because I think if I had the same higher power I, higher power I had last year, that would be tragic. And if I had the same higher power I had the year before, it would be tragic. Um, my higher power, again, this broad highway, it, it gets to change. Because remember, if we keep coming back, we keep seeing all these opportunities where God has been graceful, where I have been restored to sanity, where I've been able to make amends and it hasn't killed me, or I've been able to pray and meditate for, you know, maybe five, ten minutes a day. You know, all these changes are possible. And that's... And that's kind of when I allow my higher power to be bigger than I think it is. And that's what kind of happens to me is I allow, if the more, the bigger God gets, the smaller I get. Amazing how that works. You know, when I'm running around the sugar-free, fat-free, trying to work it, you know, got to go to more meetings, got to talk to other people, you know, this is really working, oh my God, I'm less enough ways, you know, all this stuff is happening, you know, you're thinking, ooh, I'm doing it. It is not me. Every, and it's funny because I guess got down to a size 12. And, um, I just immediately went into that. I was like, well, what I do? What I do? What happened? What happened? You know, it was like, well, you got into another 12-step program. You started peeling off some more layers. And God did what God does, which is get in there and change you from the inside out, like the Oreo. Damn it. You know, it's kind of like this This change. I keep, you know, this is the, this is the part about being... Um, you know, the, the long-timer who still suffers. Uh, you know, I was a long-timer. About 10 years, I was about a size 14, 16. And that was demoralizing because I kept seeing people who were newer than me come in and lose more weight. And that was like, ugh. And about maybe two years ago, after going to this other program to talk about abundance, feeling stymied, you know, feeling really sta- um, stale in my program, um, you know, it's just a wonderful opportunity to do some more work and to throw another tantrum and to, you know, get another sponsor. Woohoo! Um, and so that's kind of what happened to me in a very good way. I had to work on my issues with abundance, um, my skill set, and my ability to allow um, my higher power to be uh, everywhere. The areas where my higher power was not are the areas that atrophy. I'll say it again. The areas where my higher power was not are the areas that I have atrophy, meaning they shrivel up and die. So those two areas for me had been my areas of romantic relationships and my workplace. Everything about relationships, again, you know, isn't it funny how that uh, my defects of character, of isolation, of distrust, of jealousy, of the success and wonderful lives that other people have, you know, those defects were from, like, I don't know, I must have been like nine years old, ten years old. Those are the ways that I coped. Couldn't let you know who I really was. You know, had to focus on my brain. And, you know, that is kind of half living. So through the grace of God and OA and um, the fellowship that's, you know, bigger than this program, which is, you know, you know, the delegates meeting today, they said that OA 
56 countries that access the website. My God, you know, it's amazing what can happen. Um, so this program, these steps rather, are such a part, and I think I was revealing to you that I'm kind of in the step three in this other program, and it really affects OA because I had kind of gotten into that moment of, am I going to lose more weight? What am I doing every day? And I had to remember that my abstinence now, I think, you know, the OA police would probably shoot me because, or they ask me how hard that, because I get to eat a lot of really things that I did I couldn't eat before. Um, and they're not alcoholic, and there's a lot of stuff I do not eat. Uh, people come in my kitchen, they're like, what is this? You know, <laughs> like, what, what? You know, because I have stuff that's old, you know, the mealy bugs have gotten, because I just, there's just stuff I don't eat. There's bags and bags of rice that I really should throw away, even brown rice, because I'm just not into it. Um, bless you. And there's even opportunities um, for me to have revealed to me different foods that I start to like again and different foods that I don't. Unfortunately, I have a lot of food allergies. So my first 10 years in this program, I was the lettuce kid. And, you know, that slowly died a death as I was going to the emergency room um, in pain. I can't eat it anymore, you know. And my life, in a way, had been first 10 years of abstinence with salad, 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 salad. And it just couldn't be that way. I had to have more balanced meals. So, um, I was only on step three. Look at me. Uh, you know, there's promises for every single step, and they're written very clearly in the big book. And I think that the really cool promises, we read them sometimes at the end of meetings. We read, you know, the promises for step 89 on page 83. Um, but, you know, for anybody who's on step three and has not made that leap into step four, I'm going to read the promises for step three that this is with a jumping off point that gives you the strength to move on to the fourth step. And that's, that's, because that was a hard one. You know, I did it for a fourth step really early on in program, and then for years, kind of, there was a lapse in, in, in my inner working and kind of refining, you know, letting God refine who I am. And um, on page 63, it says, when we, um, this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arc through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on two. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. Three. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. Four. This is my favorite. As we felt new power flow in. Five. As we enjoyed peace of mind. Six. As we discovered we could face life successfully. Seven. As we became conscious of his presence. Eight, we, became to, we began to lose fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. What number was I on? Thank you. Nine, we were reborn. And then there's the third step prayer. And this really reminds me that, you know, thorough third step 
provides that basis for me to be able to say that there's an opportunity for me to keep digging and keep looking and for me to know that whatever I see in that four-step is my higher power's will for me. And, you know, I guess I just want to close with this. um, That, you know, my life is really quiet. It's really quiet. I date a lot. Um, You know, I enjoy a really good social life. Uh, My family lives up uh, in another part of the state and uh, my family all over the world. My life is very quiet. I do a lot of service. Um, And the only thing that keeps me centered is prayer and meditation. But, you know, I've got to tell you, you know, uh, us compulsive readers, we're a hard one. You know, that whole part about, you know, he is the director, we are his children. Did anybody, like, bristle at that? Good. (laughs) You know, that's a good sign, you know. You've got to be honest about that relationship with your higher power. That's been my experience. When I'm trying to cover up and pretend I'm more spiritual than I really am, I'm in trouble. You know, when I'm trying to figure out, and yes, I took step three, yes, I did my fourth step, yes, I did my twelfth step, yes, I sponsor a lot of people, but that relationship with God isn't right. You know, just like we started out, that vision, it's going to be hard. You know, this is a spiritual program. You can work it like a diet, absolutely, absolutely. You won't get the full benefits of it, though, and that's been my experience. Every time I rely on my higher power, to bring to me exactly what's supposed to happen in my life. It's beautiful, and it's bigger than I could ever have imagined. You know, somebody took a, um, a trip today and talked about not eating in Europe. That was my experience. I went to Europe, and I didn't, you know, have a chow fest. You know, Paris, hello. You know, um, and, you know, there's still foods in my life that probably, you know, like I said, the OA police would not... Um, allow, but I'll read you something that I was going to, I forgot that it was here. And what it is, is one of the promises for step 12. And it says something like, we, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things compulsive readers are not supposed to do. So that means I become different. You know, and I'll just close with that, that you'd be amazed, you know, what your higher power can do through you when you let go. Every time I think I'm doing it with the sugar-free, fat-free, whatever, it just didn't work. It didn't work. It was a fancy diet. But um, when I absolutely let go and whatever was on the plate was on the plate and the weight came off, it reminded me, God's in charge, not me. And that's the secret of this program, you know. Um, I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to share. Thank you.